0: I think,
1: the, I think the comment was, uh, oh, uh, oh yeah, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. it's crying time.
0: <laughs> Contact warnings for this episode include transphobia, transmisogyny, misgendering, ableism, sanism, trauma for, from Christianity, mental health, misgendering, bullying, sexism, and trans-suicidality. Jennifer would like to acknowledge the Indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests have lived and dwelt upon. Today we honour the Mohawk, Algonquin, and Anishinaabewaki.
1: And the uh, Treaty for Six First Nations in the homeland of the Métis. We
0: honour the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands, and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Hey, howdy folks. Welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse folks about their special interests. Hi, I'm Miranda Katita, and my pronouns are she, her. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, and gender diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender diverse community. We want our audience to know that we hold multiple diverse identities and bring these lenses to the show with our passion for telling our stories identify as trans feminine neurodivergent queer and a person of color residing in canada we invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives friendships challenges and successes we love and are loved and we are delighted to share these stories with you as always we kindly remind our listeners that no person is the monolith of their identities your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way if you think you're gender diverse you are gender diverse There is no social or medical prerequisites to be included in the community. Welcome to Jennifer Podcast, a show interviewing Jennifer, gender diverse people about their special interests. Uh, this week, our guest is Erin she, they, fate pronouns, and uh, they are chatting with us about their YouTube art. Um, I am very excited about this, as I was saying before. Uh, so I actually, I came to know Erin through through Jesse Gender, friend of the show, and also a personal friend of mine. And... Uh, Aronok is a long-time contributor on Jesse's channel. She's done editing. She's done co-writing. She's, in fact, Jesse's creative partner. So, and she actually works with quite a lot of other people on YouTube. So there's uh, there's a good chance that your favorite YouTubers' videos are better because of Aronok. So, <laughs> welcome to Jennifer Aronok. It is such a pleasure to have you here today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Hi, um, chat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um uh, yeah so let's jump right into the interview uh so there's a couple of questions that we'd like to ask all of our guests uh the first one being is what might be the things that you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be gender diverse one day um I have a couple of videos but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, for those of you who maybe are are not familiar with you and are getting to know you for the first time right now
1: <laughs> um uh, i don't I mean when i when i was little i was i was always a little bit gender ambiguous in general (laughs) i often got interpreted as a little girl uh even as a kid so uh i don't know i think i was always like constantly put in a position from a pretty young age of of having to hide my genuine self um and sort of deny it so Mm. um we're going right to the. I'm sorry. There's not the, this conversation does not have nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I experienced a lot of violence when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. um, and so I I, I think it, it's not so much that I started in the closet as I put myself in there to survive. So, yeah. um, and I think the later half of my life was a lot of just reallowing myself to be myself at all. Mm. Um, and I don't. I don't think that makes me any less or more trans than anyone else who has experienced more more in the 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 angle of um, realizing much later or um, not always feeling a certain way and changing. Um, But uh, but yeah, I was I was a little I was always a little weird, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I was never very good at performing. The expected gender role that I was assigned. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. No. That and that's that's absolutely valid.
0: I mean, you're absolutely like that doesn't make you any more or less trans, and that's an unfortunate reality that a lot of trans folks have to go through is that they do have to hide parts of themselves for their own safety.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I just always worry when I talk about my own experience because I know there's a lot of people that feel like, oh, I've, I've, I didn't know until I was much older, or I didn't always feel that way,
2: Mm -hmm. and.
1: I don't want them to feel like when they hear experiences like mine, like, that that there's this, um, you know, less valid or whatever, just because mine happens to fit more into the, uh, I guess, acceptable narrative that, that is fun about trans people that we always knew, you know? Yeah. Well, um,
0: it's, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, speaking from my own personal experience, it's like, um like I quote unquote always knew, but that was a hindsight realization. Yeah. Where it's, so it's, but it's, again, like, there's no right or wrong way to be trans. Like, whatever whatever your personal journey is, like, however you came to, you know, figure out your own gender, um, is valid. Um, and no one can really tell you that you did it wrong or you did it right or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, your experience is just as valid as anyone else's. Um, now, I mean, our experiences with gender, as it's hardly a straight path, you know, no pun intended. So... <laughs> um it's often um it's it's a long and winding road um so how would you say your relationship to gender has evolved over time
1: um I think growing up it was a prison you know um Mm -hmm. it was something I had to perform a certain way that wasn't natural to me just to survive and as an adult like going to university and, and meeting other trans people and realizing that that I wasn't some freak anomaly that that there was people like me, you know, yeah, because because yeah. growing up, I think the only representation of trans people I ever saw was like bad South Park comedy and you know, harmful sitcoms and mm. types of media that are just particularly egregiously off and also don't understand trans people even slightly. Um, so i i I think. My perception of my gender uh, for a long time, especially when I was growing up was was that I was a wrong, not so much that I was a man you know mm. um I don't think I ever really identified with with my assigned gender. I just kind of um felt like I wasn't able to do anything else, so it's kind of stuck with it <laughs> yeah um, and being given permission to find things that that kind of allowed me to come under my shell a little bit um and it took me a while to fully figure things out. And I have a very long video about that uh, called <laughs> Relativity. Um, oh, we're we'll going to be talking about that later. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely been a journey. Um, I think a large part of it was just, I, I, I had so much built up um shame. Yes. Frankly, uh, that it was hard for me to accept um, yeah and then once i did accept it and accept all of it and then it was kind of solely um going it's you know I, I i'm a woman and that's okay uh, I i don't have to do some special thing to to be allowed to be myself um because I, I think a long time i felt like i didn't uh, wasn't worthy of being a woman if that makes sense mm. and then i had the complexity feelings of just I'm not just, a. I I identify as a non-binary woman for people who don't know. And so, yeah, I think for a long time, it was just a little, a little complex figuring it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's extremely relatable.
1: Yeah. Definitely a journey.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, that's the, the, what you just said about shame. I mean, that's, Oh boy, that's uh, that's something I had to deal with for a very long time. And I think that's, uh, that's you'll find that it's a very common theme in, in trans folks who come out later in life, where it's, that's kind of a big component of why they don't transition or why they don't explore their gender. Um, and especially that whole like imposter syndrome that you get, like early on in your transition. Like I remember uh, about a year into my transition, it was like International Women's Day. And I was just like, do I do I get to participate in this? Like, am, like, am I am I allowed? Uh, and the answer is yes. But like, um, there's still that, like, it takes a while sometimes before you can accept yourself as, you know, what you are and, and kind of overcome society's expectations of what you should be. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a process, a bit of a fight when someone yeah, is with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it takes think, some of us uh, a
0: bit longer, but uh, <laughs> but
1: yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it was a quote from I think Crooked Kingdom uh, by Leigh Bardugo. That uh okay and I referenced in the section that I did on disability in, in Lady Night Six Crows video, but uh I think the quote is um pain is something you can endure but shame, shame that's what that's what kills you. And mm. Yeah, I think, I think our society puts such an an aggressive degree of shame onto trans people, and it kind of eats you up.
0: It does, it really does. Uh, But I would love, speaking of transitions, I would love to transition into our special topic for today. Uh, So let's, why don't we start at the beginning? How did you first get started making videos
1: on YouTube? My first video was my coming out video. Um... But I have to go further back to explain that entire sequence of things. When I was, um, 18, 19, started university, I, uh, began helping with charity streams online, actually, on Twitch. So, mostly was in the streaming space. And I just kept meeting people through that, and I was really good at what I did. So, people would have me come help with other charity streams, and i get to know more people, and, um... Kind of ended up a moderator on like a large amount of like leftist political Twitch, not the debate ding dongs, but more in the um news reporty type zone. Okay. A variety streamers, I guess. Um. And I was doing university at the time. I am you know, still doing university. I'm almost done. It's been <laughs> a long journey. Um. And on a i think yeah i was sophie from mars is which that's a whole thing but <laughs> uh charity stream a few years ago i met uh what's not my best friend lady Knight the brave <laughs> uh, yeah, i love her um and i've been thinking about making video for a very, very long time but i didn't want to make videos before i came out and i felt like i couldn't come out of the job that i was working at the time um uh, and then I got laid off because of COVID. Long mm. story. And I was like, oh, may as well do it. My so guy. I uh and okay had been pressuring me to make videos for a while. She could be like you you should make one. You should make one. You're good. You make, you should make someone. And I, I think I'd been doing some I have a bad memory, so I've been doing some feedback and stuff for video essays for a while then. But yeah, so my first video was my coming out video. Um and, like, I post that to Facebook and a couple of other places. Like, I can't, that was how I came out to my entire extended family. My parents knew. My younger siblings knew. Um, and obviously my friend group knew, but not many people outside of that. So, and I, I hated coming out at that point. I'd already done mm-hmm. it multiple times in terms of, like, sexuality. I didn't get it right. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. Sometimes it's a bit of a journey. Sometimes it's uh, slowly figuring yourself out. <laughs>
0: yeah well, you know what don't they say you don't come out just
1: once. Recently. no and then and i just I hated the process of coming out over and over and over to one person at a time and it's just i was i wanted to i wanted to get it done mm-hmm. i never have to think about it again foolish because i still figured things out later uh so yeah my first video was called what is non-binary and i explained what what being non-binary is from my perspective at the time um I struggle to find value with my first couple of videos uh a lot of people still really love them so that's the only reason I haven't unlisted them being full, full honest. uh because because I think people would be sad if I did uh-huh. um but yeah I I use that as my coming out video at the time I came out as non-binary I was going by the them pronouns I was still kind of figuring things out I think it was that thing of like Slowly giving myself permission, I guess. Um, And then, yeah, I just kept making video essays, and you know, figured out I was a woman. Figured out my pronouns a little better. Figured out I was ace. um, Though, though, exactly how I identify within that's still right now. (laughs) I'm figuring things out. Um, I mean, that's
0: that's a lifelong journey. Like, yeah we have a comment here from uh, gender master they came out as lesbian then polyamorous then non-binary then also trans then pansexual they feel like it just okay. never ends
1: <laughs> yeah so so here's here is my order was um bi pan uh non-binary ace ace lesbian non-binary woman ace lesbian <laughs> And yeah, it was a whole, whole pathway, whole pipeline of, of discovery. Um, yeah, so it's interesting cause because my first video was my coming out video, and I very purposely presented as, uh, maximally, like pre-transition as possible at the start of the video. Mm. And because I've changed so much over the years, and I got on HRT and stuff my channel's in a weird way sort of a a, a gender transition timeline yeah you can look at if you mm-hmm. watch it from the first video onwards i apologize we started the first it's rough the first i i started I mean, i'm pretty sure words. that's true of every youtube creator <laughs> i think it's any artist you have yeah. to suck first you have yeah, exactly. to suck first
0: and it's just and it's just any skill, like you no one's born good at stuff. Like you have to-
1: <laughs> no, I just I always struggle. I struggle with my early stuff because it's I just don't feel mm-hmm. it's representative of me as a person now or mm-hmm. my abilities as an artist. I mean, even then, be- the reason it's specifically those first four videos is because I was working with a really bad software. And so there's all these technical issues that come out in the final project because I was using shotcut at the time and the drastic jump in quality between working in Shotcut, working in Resolve, like, Mm. totally changed the quality, so it's not even representative of my skills then, and I think that's partly why those four bother me more so than anything that came after. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's, um, I I mean, I totally get it, because, like, I mean, I've been, like, I've been on YouTube for, like, 11, 12 years, um and like my early videos are well before transition like well before transition and it's just like it's it's like i cringe sometimes if i like see some of those old videos i'm just like well but i just leave them up anyway because like whatever because like i feel like any trans creator particularly trans creators that were active on the platform before they transitioned uh not naming any names but you know there's quite a few of us um and they they leave their videos up from pre-transition like you can see their whole transition timeline
1: uh, yeah and I think there's a certain value to that it's also difficult because it just means that people can see not you if that makes sense or I guess past you, I don't know it's not working on my feelings on, on past selves, it's complicated mm-hmm. I, I'm working on a script right now about Undertale mm-hmm. um I don't tease too much, but uh a lot of it was about exploring those feelings about about um past selves I resent and yeah working through how that's an unhealthy feeling in some ways. Um and how to process that and uh how to forgive a past self in some ways. Um mm, yeah, that's It's tough. an interesting video, very interesting because it, it did not start with that intention at all it kind of just kind of happened across the process of writing it mm, um, yeah. it's still not done it's like 26 thousand this point. oh my god <laughs> um, when I release that it's it's I feel pretty confident in saying it's probably like gonna be the definitive in-depth analysis of that game and some major lunar narrative concepts that I don't think have been explored as much on YouTube um. Mm. I have a lot of interesting things to say. I'm um, looking forward
0: to it. I mean, I'm always looking forward think, to whenever any Aranok video drops.
1: So <laughs> I think the biggest thing too is that like so much of the analysis of Undertale is lacking a queer lens, and like mm, I don't uh, think you can understand Undertale with oh, a queer lens. Um, I mean every every subsequent release of things has only increased the amount of queer text. Um, you know where, where you have more and more explicitly trans characters you have a lot going on in in that game Mm. yeah i don't i don't want to tease it too much (laughs) oh Uh, y'all just have to stay
0: tuned there's
1: a fight in the switch version that's fundamentally just um the gender dysphoria fight (laughs) (laughs)
0: incredible Um, i should replay that game because i kind of bounced off of it the first time i played um that's interesting but, that's an explosive part of the video
1: is I that know I'm really I, I mean
0: I've seen you perform part of that video already so it's um and like yeah like I was one of those people that kind of bounced off it like I played through the whole game but like I kind of like I don't know I kind of reached a point where I was like okay I get it <laughs> but like I don't know if I actually got it so um yeah like the, the fact that you're devoting like so much of your energy to this I think I think that's a really good reason for me to kind of reevaluate it and give it another chance
2: so
1: yeah I um there's a longer story behind it one i will probably get to in a video eventually but not anytime soon um where i i i, I want to talk about homestuck and trauma and things mm.
0: i will say I know so it, many but, um, i know so many queer and trans people that talk about homestuck and i feel like i missed out on that because like I'm just like it's worth a generation older.
1: No, I, it's worth reading now. It's worth reading now. I think I think Homestuck has a lot of of um, language that is a lot at times. There's some pretty heavy themes. Like it's mm. it's uh, I think it's heavy work, but I think it's heavy work for a reason. Um, I think it's messy, but the messy parts add to its value mm. because I really do think that it captures what it was like being a traumatized 12 13 14 year old on the internet mm. when i was growing up um, and it captures very complex dynamics and very um messy people in in, in realistic ways that i, I find really mm. valuable and it yeah like it's dated but it's it feels like a s uh, the, the datedness is a snapshot of a specific era and a specific type of people mm. um and I think it's just interesting to read it from that perspective, but anyway uh there's a long story behind why I didn't finish homesick the first time I read it in high school involving uh abusers and things but um uh, a little while after. I played Undertale for the first time, and I think I bounced off of it partially because of where I was at at the time. And Mm. those two things are very interconnected. And um, there's a song I used to listen to when I was reading Homestuck. Uh, It's called Quarters of Time from Chrono Trigger. And my brain kind of connected it to that traumatizing period of time in high school. And I like exposure therapy myself with it later in oh, my 20s because wow. I love that song and I, I couldn't hear it without getting triggered. Um because I have severe CPTSD. Mm. So I was like, maybe maybe I should go back and finish reading Homestuck and and maybe that would help me like move past something. And it really did. There's um there's a conversation in act five or six between two characters that um just ruined me and also kind of healed something in me in a complicated way uh in terms of of my my former best friend who was quite Mm abusive and so after having re like uh, finished reading all of homestuck and knowing how connected toby fox was to that project I felt like maybe I was ready to give Undertale another shot and and try to hear it for what it was saying instead of just dismissing it, as I had when I first played through. And, um, and I knew if I was going to do it that I was only going to play the pacifist route, true pacifist route, and then I was never going to play the game again. So I recorded it. I was like, maybe I'll write a video about about this this act of, of re-engaging with a past work that I bounced off of. Maybe I'll get something really interesting in. Maybe I'll bounce off of it and I'll have a video to say something about... Um, why I think the work is overrated. Uh, Now I'm like this, one of the greatest works of Ludo narrative ever created. It's a masterpiece. Um, Mm. And I have a lot to say about it, but um, that's where that video kind of came out of was was re-engaging with Homestuck and then, yeah. Yeah,
0: no, that sounds super interesting. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, So, Ernoch, you have a reputation as a pillar of YouTube for collaborating with so many other creators on the platform, such as Jesse, gender and term, how did you establish these relationships?
1: No. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's, I think it's one of those things where, um, it depends on the relationship, obviously. I think a lot of it is just, um, a willingness or an openness to, to talk to people. Um, an openness to, to opportunities when they appear and uh just a lot of um I don't know I'm very autistic I I don't understand why
0: you're you're it, among friends so like I think our whole I, server is, is on the spectrum
1: so. yeah it's it's um I don't know it's with a lot of things I I spent an entire childhood teenage years everything uh feeling like a miserable, alone um, weirdo that, that no one would ever really like in any meaningful capacity and would always abandon. And then I spent mm. my entire adulthood being told um, that people like hearing what I have to say and that they like spending time with me. And I don't know why. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, I, I seem to draw people in and people, I think more so than anything, seek me out. I I do a lot of commission art stuff, but I don't generally go looking for clients. They kind of just come to me.
0: Mm. <laughs> so it's a good problem to yeah. have.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm sorry. It's probably an unsatisfying answer to the question. It doesn't really help other people with networking. No, not at all. I think not the biggest thing is just being um being polite, uh listening. Something I try to do a lot of is is just really really listen um yeah and, and know that you're not the bl all end all authority on anything so uh yeah i think that's really
0: yeah what i mean out. that's like how you describe like just that that sense of like being weird and like why would anyone like it's just like it's just like your brain is confused when people are nice to you And it's like, I relate to that so hard because like, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat where like people seem to like me. People seem to like, people come to me and I'm just like, why? I'm not that
1: nice of a person. Like what? (laughs) It's just like, I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that pretty much sums it up. I, I don't know. I. I don't understand why people find me compelling and likable because I, I spent so much time of my life being told I was not.
2: Mm, And I
1: think I internalized that to some degree. Yep. And so when people are kind, um, you know, my brain's first thought is they're trying to use me or they're lying. Mm. And unpacking that feeling has been a really long and hard project. Um, but I think, I think if I was to answer the question, like as, as best I can, I think it's just that I, I have learned, uh, as an adult, um, so I think I spent an entire childhood being told to, to shut up for being sincere, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but as an adult, I, I found sincerity super valuable because I think sincerity is kind of unfortunately rare in, in a lot of modern society, I think it's something that people are really missing or seeking right now. I think you can even see this in trends in media. I think the sort of era of South Park absolute cynicism, um, to an almost self-destructive degree of cynicism, um, an irony poisoning that occurred on the internet and things. I think people yeah. people are very sick of it. And yeah, I I, I think why some people gravitate towards me um, is is purely from that aspect of i uh i'm sincere um i don't think i'm a very nice person um, i think i, think <laughs> and I don't think <laughs> niceness is a very good attribute <laughs> niceness is is how you make people feel comfortable mm. but um i i i try to be a kind person
0: mm. and yeah kindness and a lot and of niceness people conflate the two
1: not quite the same thing and they yeah. kind of clash hmm. and I think um when you're younger honesty is kind of scary yeah and sincerity is difficult that's, that's especially teenagers I think really struggle with it um but as an adult in a world full of, of um you know maps surpassing territories and, and and everything being an illusion with an illusion with an illusion, uh, sincerity can kind of break through that. And the thing is that, like, I don't, you know, people are like, oh, you're so nice and I compliment them. And I'm like, I'm not being nice. I, if I didn't mean it, I wouldn't say it. Like, yeah. I, I don't compliment unless I think the compliment's warranted. And I just, I also am honest. And I, I think, um, I think a lot of people are are scared to express, sincere kindness love care appreciation um of other people at all of any type and so i think for for privileged people that's a very uncomfortable thing and i do think mm-hmm. that i tend to off-put certain types of people and the way that i off-put people tends to be a good flag for them being not great politically mm-hmm. and also in views of marginalized people but um yeah I th- I think, I think I tend to be a very, you know, my heart is on my sleeve type of person. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what has drawn certain types of people to me. And uh, when it comes to professional work, especially in video essays and things, when you want someone to edit your script, you don't want someone that's going to be nice. You want someone who's going to go, yeah, that's fucking wrong. Yeah. And, and, and not in a mean well, that's, way. That's something the, where your, honesty your, is,
0: is more valuable, yeah. is more valuable than, than, you know, saving someone's feelings.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not being mean about it. I am not being like, you're dumb or something no, 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 like no. we're <laughs> not doing ableism, but, um, but I mentioned that because it's, like some people can take, take honesty as being that, and it's not the same thing, but yeah. like, I will compliment very earnestly. And I will also tell you when I think something's off very earnestly. <laughs> and Mm -hmm. it's not because i want to make someone feel bad or that i want to feel superior because i actually am very very open to about my mistakes i talk about my mistakes very openly and frequently and Mm -hmm. i I try to keep that in mind that i'm i'm an incredibly fallible person because everyone is i I think the baseline state of humanity is fallibility Mm -hmm. failing is to be human and um so I think I think part of why I, I a lot of people reach out to me to script read things and stuff is that I will tell them when they're off, but I'll tell them because I care about them, because I mm-hmm. want them to do well, because I want them to succeed. Uh, and then I think the other side of that is just that uh, the other reason why I've connected with a lot of people is just that I'm... I, you know, I worked as a coach for about a decade. I have a lot of professional training in, in conflict resolution and conversation and things. And so while I have bad social anxiety and while I deal with all those types of things, I know how to push through it and just talk to someone. And I think a lot of people, um, have never learned how to do that. It doesn't make it easy. Um, especially with the types of disabilities I have. And so I, I really do have all the empathy in the world for people who can't, but, Mm. um, when it comes to trying to build professional bridges in this space i think you have to be willing to talk and and to connect with other people and it's tough um you know sometimes you're going to put your trust in someone and they're really going to disappoint you and that hurts
2: and yeah it sucks. that's
1: life um you know every every relationship every connection is a risk um but i never want to become someone who is afraid to have that type of risk you know because if you're never able to to put your heart out into the um vulnerable space if you're never willing to be hurt uh you're never going to connect with anyone
0: yeah exactly 100 so uh we actually have a question from our chat from uh producer mirami uh, do you have any tips for doing that, pushing through to have a hard conversation?
1: Um, God, it's really hard. It's very specific to the person. And like, I don't know, I'm coming back at it from a vast amount of experience. uh, And, and at a bunch of training and things and trying to distill that's difficult. But I would say in general, um, it's like, it's going to suck. And you have to just accept that up front, that even if it goes well, not going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of labor. You're going to be tired, and it's not going to be pleasant. It's never pleasant. It is never pleasant to have a hard conversation. And mincing your words to try to make them feel better isn't necessarily going to help you. Um, There's a couple of tricks, which is just one, being very clear that you don't think they have malicious intent. I think that's a really important one because often when people hear someone say you did a bad thing what they hear is you intentionally wanted to do harm or something um the other the other layer of it and this is really hard to get over and some people you're just never going to reach uh, is that we live in a society where essentialization is a core tenet and this goes back to various forms of, of christian views in the world right and sin, Christian view on sin, Um, and people often justify the things they do to themselves because they're they're a good person, they're an essentially good person, unlike those bad shitty people, and so when someone says what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is harmful, what they hear is bad people do wrong things, you have done a wrong thing, therefore you're a bad person. And their brain, their brain's logic is the premise is they're a good person. And so they go, well, no, I'm a good person. So I could, it couldn't have been a bad thing. So therefore, I did nothing wrong. And actually, you're mm. bad for telling me that I did something wrong.
2: Mm. And
1: so I think coaching it really heavily in that you care about them, um, that criticism um, and feedback and letting someone know that they've hurt you is a gift. Just like boundaries are a gift. Yeah. It is a it is also a question. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be in community with you. I want to be around you. But to do that, we need to address this. Right. And that's really the, the central question of any attempt at establishing boundaries or any attempt at letting someone know that they've said something bigoted or done something bigoted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the, the big thing is to, to not talk about it as they're bad. But talk about the action on its own. Yeah. Um, really focus on, like, hey, this shin was harmful, not you are harmful, not um, like not essentializing even by accident with your nerve phrasing. Um, again, like all these things aren't going to work perfectly, but the, the point you're trying to get across is that this behavior is having this effect um, and that something needs to change but you're asking them because you know that they mean well and that you care about them and you want to be around them and i think that's a really important element uh, and you're gonna get people that just start tantrums and are mm-hmm. not mature enough to have a conversation like an adult where they're told they've messed up and it, it sucks i've had to have it many times yeah. where i'm on the receiving end of the conversation doesn't feel good um but there's a couple of things just talking professionally from a video essay standpoint that you can do to mitigate this which is one work with sensitivity readers and listen yeah like when you bring a sensitivity reader in because i've had bad experiences i've had terrible experiences as a sensitivity reader before with certain people who i won't name but i don't (laughs) work with because of that stuff um where you know they're super defensive of everything and You're there not to tell them how to get something, you know, to to convey things in the best way possible or as accurately as possible, but instead they want you there to make them feel good and tell them they're doing. Just thinking that (laughs) you're tokenized, Um, but people who do genuinely care um, are going to listen. Uh, I'm not gonna be like to be full full honest, I don't really trust someone until I've seen how they respond because I just can't. I've had too many experiences with people that seemed lovely, you know to a point but the instant that anything, any criticism occurred, complete meltdown um completely inappropriate behavior, you know uh, and so um, whatever form of privileged you know fragility they hold, yeah, yeah and just it just
0: it's signaling that they're emotionally immature and you probably shouldn't work with them
1: <laughs> yeah i i don't think it's just it's not just emotionally immature though and and i think like um, maturity is a whole complicated thing but um it is yeah i think for a lot of people they don't want to 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 really care um what they want to be told is that they're a good person and this is why i just i really dislike any essentialized worldview and it's really had hard to have any sort of restorative justice conversation with anyone that has an essentialized worldview because they see people in a sort of black and white context if they're either good or they're bad hmm. um people are not good or bad uh, people do good things and do bad things and what is good and bad is always subjective, always yeah. socially defined in some ways, always specific to the person. So, yeah, um,
0: like, good people do bad things all the time and bad people do good things. And, and really just, yeah. I, I don't know if I really necessarily, uh, like agree with the, like people can be put in these buckets of good or bad people. Like, oh, so that's what people. I mean, I
1: don't, I don't see anyone like that because yeah. people are people. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Uh, even if essentialization was true if an essentially bad person deep in their core they only they only ever act in selfish ways if every single action they took ever um put kindness and health and warmth and positivity into the world would it really matter what's in their heart or what's in their head Mm -hmm. and and this is why i care more about behaviors and not essentializations and not um whether you're or bad uh hey you know it's, it's cause and effect that really really yeah, matters yeah. so yeah
0: this whole conversation is uh really reminding me of one of my favorite shows ever uh bojack horseman um where uh, for those of you who have not seen the show the main character uh does a lot of really horrible things throughout the, the course of the show but is obsessed with the idea of being a good person and keeps asking it's like am i a good person am I a good person am I a good guy and eventually, like, one of the other characters tells them, like, like, there are no good guys. There are no bad guys. Like, we're all just guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's just yeah. about, like, what do you do to other people? Yes. At the yeah. end of the day, what are you putting out in the world? Um, There's a quote I used in a couple of videos. I can't remember the source of it off the top of my head, but it's reflect, love, and abundance. And uh, not the term reflect. Mm. right um because yeah i think love and care takes energy it takes effort it does um, like real love and care is not effortless and i think a lot of people want relationships they want life they want things to be effortless and that's not reality being good be nice, being kind mm, caring mm. they take effort but they're worth it every Absolutely. time yeah and it's just about putting that energy into spaces and with people that also reflect that back at you yeah, uh, yeah. reciprocal not agree. uh not transactional um you know i i used to be a professional like like full-time athlete uh way back when um trained all the time really really competitive but the thing I loved about my rowing team and, and about a lot of people that I raced in rowing is, is that there is a mentality of, of you're not here to destroy other people or whatever. You're here mm-hmm. to do your best. Yep. And and doing your best isn't just about you. It's about giving the gift of doing your best to everybody else there. Because that will mm-hmm. push them to be their best. And like they will do their best and that will push you to be your best. And obviously you want to win, but victory is very relative. Victory is, is getting a PB, you know, a personal best. It's, it's doing mm-hmm. just a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit cleaner, a little mm-hmm. bit better technique every single time. And pushing each other and encouraging each other when you do. It's about celebrating other people's victories. Mm-hmm. A cooperative mindset of competitiveness, not a community of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my like, most positive memories of rowing was, was Canada Games pair final. I was a lightweight rower and I I raced in the heavyweight stuff in a few boats at Canada Games. I did pretty good. Um (laughs) but uh, I just distinctly remember finishing that pair race, getting off of the dock. Bunch of exhausted, big muscly people just giving each other hugs. Just just like love and 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 kindness. Mm-hmm. and and celebration of the other person's accomplishments as much as your own and mm-hmm. um I think I think a lot of that stuff is sort of foundational to how I view things in general uh, is is that we should all be building each other, not um turning people down and I think I think a lot of people dedicate a lot of their time and I get why to trying to like fight shitty people and I think a lot of that time could be better spent caring for and spending time with your community, building it yeah. and, and caring 100% about it. I one hundred
0: percent agree with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I want
0: to segue into the next question. I, I this is one of my favorite questions that I wrote. Um, so one of my favorite comments ever on one of your videos was something like, "Oh yeah, it's crying time."
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you... the I think the comment was, "Oh, oh uh oh, yeah." Exclamation point, exclamation point exclamation point it's crying time
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the actual question that i have about that is how do you feel the, about your art emotionally affecting others so deeply
1: complicated <laughs> um i think for a long time i felt conflicted uh you know because i i, I I wrote a whole thing about this actually for a video that I will eventually finish. Mm-hmm. It's a really heavy video. It's about uh, the video game Signalis and Transgenocide. It gets dark, and, and and it's been h- tough to work on. And I've I've been writing it on and off since I played Signalis last year, like early last year. But um, I, I think for a long time I was trying to fight to to make a happy video, and I just couldn't do it. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not a particularly. Uh, I guess joyful person in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, I'm a bit macabre. <laughs> my favorite poet's Poe. <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I have a lot of happiness in my life, but it's also just. It's always. A, I think intermingled and touched and affected by having pretty severe trauma and things. And so when I write about stuff, often there's a melancholy to it. To some extent and um at a certain point i just kind of embraced that what i do well and what i do for people is make them cry not in a mad (laughs) way not in a mean way not upsetting them um Mm. for the most part but but um i think crying is one of the most important things you can do to be able to be content happy uh i think i think life is about contrast in a lot of ways yeah an emotional contrast especially um uh, you know and, and and i think building a space uh, that is comfortable that is safe to feel things that i think is really valuable because i think our society heavily pleases everyone about their feelings you know um there's a lot of people will talk very extensively about like oh you know the boys don't cry thing and stuff and the men aren't allowed to cry but i i don't i don't think Boy, we yeah. acknowledge enough i don't think we acknowledge enough that that the the gender policing around emotions occurs on all levels it's just that um if men cry they are called a woman and if women cry we confirm our lower status on the hierarchical mm. and i think everyone i especially my my age has been heavily policed away from allowing themselves to feel complex emotions and feel sad. You're no, you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to present as happy all the time. You're supposed to be joyful. uh I think social media has compounded aspects of that because oh, of, sort of the surveillance aspect. 100%. um And I think my videos, and I'm pretty confident in saying this, just because of the comments and things, think like, a lot of what people get from them is like, you know, I've had people tell me that 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 one of my videos was like the first thing that allowed them to cry after, like, years uh, about, like, certain traumas or certain difficult things they'd experienced mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a comment that I think about on a basically weekly basis. It was on my Midnight Mass video uh, where someone basically detailed that that the video was the only thing that helped them after they were uh, sexually assaulted by a priest um, and basically, like, lost their entire, you know, church community, their you know, it took a lot of them long time for them to heal, and the only thing that they found helpful was my video, and, um, and that they watched it on repeat pretty regularly. Aww. I get emotional with that comment every day. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, but, I'm getting um, emotional just thinking about it. now. <laughs> but I think that's what my videos do. I think mm. um, I think so rarely are we given permission or space to feel something, and so uh, rather than trying to pull my punches or not make people feel uncomfortable, things. I think I, I, I am skilled at making people feel uncomfortable things in ways they want. Yeah. And I think that's,
0: um, that's a really big reason why your videos resonate with, uh, with the people that do I mean, like speaking personally and like, uh, not just your videos, but you know, other, other people in the space, it's, um, some of my favorite videos I've ever watched were ones that like made me ugly cry for like 10, 15, 20 minutes
1: best videos uh yeah like if i can recommend two channels that do that for me lady night the brave and bread sword <laughs> both do videos that mm, right in the heart bread Sword's were in on video if you've ever seen it ruins me um, absolutely gorgeous essay making yeah. um, i mean i i had that happen to me
0: with uh this is actually how i became a, a big fan of jesse was uh one of her videos did that to me and that's that's how it became a fan of hers. And that's how like, you know, we became friends and everything. So like, that's awesome. Um, one of these days, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll share that story, but, uh, it's, cause it's pretty, it's, Personal. oh boy, that was a very dark time of my life when I watched that video. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, let's, um, we were talking before about sincerity. I think that it really, really comes across and it allows people, it kind of like, it, like you said before, it gives people permission to feel these feelings, not that they need that permission,
1: like but they kind of do. You don't need permission, yeah, but, just like, but most people, most people, yeah. are so taught that they, yeah, they kind of do. Like exactly. they shouldn't need. They, they shouldn't, shouldn't
0: need exactly. but they do.
1: And exactly. and I so and like I'm,
0: that Jesse video yeah. I was talking about before. It gave me permission to feel those feelings.
1: Yes.
2: Um. So like,
1: and once yeah. you let the floodgates open, it allows you. Mm. I you know I think I think a lot of people are very. Um, I'm going to use a word, I'm going to explain why I used it the way that I did, because I have a very specific perspective on what that word actually means, and I think most people's, like, uh, I, I'm an AI and machine learning specialist. My, my, I'm an expert on mm-hmm. on knowledge and choice making and things. So when I say something is intelligent or unintelligent, I don't mean some inherency thing. It's just a, a, intelligence within how it should actually be used. Is relative to a task. Um, it is not a value judgment. It is merely a judgment of current capacity to complete that task, right? Mm-hmm. And that is fundamentally mutable. That's an important time. But I, I think a lot of people are emotionally unintelligent. And when I say that, I don't mean in an ableist sort of inherency way. I just mean that they haven't developed that skill set because they've never had anyone teach them. And it's important to, to, um, To have that sort of thing of of getting to feel emotions examining why you're feeling what you're feeling and what that means for you and and if you never feel things if you never give yourself permission to feel things you cannot develop emotional intelligence and you're not going to understand other people you're not going to understand yourself and you're not going to handle those emotions well when you get into difficult topics there's a really old video that i did on doom It's really not about doom. What it's about is media and art that allows you to feel anger in things in productive ways. It talks Mm. about metal music and the effect that metal music has on metalheads, which is actually why metalheads, you know, everybody knows this if you know metalheads. Super chill people, super relaxed, very calm. Do you want to know why? Because they practice dealing with anger. Yeah, like that's actually what the the feelings are doing. Horror, horror is a way of practicing dealing with fear Mm -hmm. and sadness. Right. We watch engage with these sorrowful works of art because they let us develop that skill and a lot of people do not allow themselves to cry they do not allow themselves to feel and and the thing is if you never allow yourself to feel the negative emotions you will never really fully feel the good ones either. Mm-hmm. all about the contrasts and agree. yeah uh, I, I think sadness is like really important. I think it is important to cry sometimes. Because you have to let go of it. I mean, it, when you cry, you literally release things from from your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. I just really think that um that that's so 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 important. Um, yeah. Uh, so on yeah. that note, we are uh, we're coming up on our ad
0: uh, on our break time. So this has been a wonderful conversation. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some specific videos. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, So this is a good time for you to take your meds, get some water, go to the washing, whatever you got to do. And uh, when we come back, we'll be uh, chatting some more with Aronok. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So if you're just tuning in, we are here with Aaronok, YouTuber extraordinaire, and we're talking about their arts and their various projects. And now we're gonna be talking about some uh, some specific videos. So the first one I wanna talk about is uh, one of my one, one of my favorite videos of yours and one of your best videos, in my opinion, uh, was Queer, queer Relativity. Oh my God, I can't talk today. Queer Relativity. <laughs> and it's not just my opinion, but it was also recognized by the British Film Institute's best video essay list. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of that project? How did that get going?
1: I mean, I talk about it pretty openly in the video, (laughs) Um, but uh, so I had a sociolinguistics class that I took, like, 400 sociolinguistics class that I took, and I had a bunch of stuff I'd written in there that I wanted to convert into a video essay at some point or aspects of it. Um, Ironically enough, that's the stuff that ended up the most cut in the final cut. Mm. Um, I got about 15 minutes of that video, like, a week or two before release. Like it was pretty close to release. Just didn't feel like it, I felt like it was too dense and too academic. Um, those bits. So ironically enough, that's what Remu it And then um reading rereading Watchmen. And I was just having a shower. And um and, you know, I was just thinking about that structure, right? Mm. Um, and then I was thinking about queer temporality because I've been thinking about that a lot. I think it's an Abigail Thorne video. Um uh, before she came out.
0: Okay.
1: I think it was one of her ones well it was a coming out video, but it wasn't her trans coming out video. I think it was the previous one. Um where they talked about heterotemporality. And okay, stuff. yeah, because
0: she came out as bi like year like ages ago, a
1: right? Year yeah. before coming out as trans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and so think about all those different things kind of in combination and and I realized oh I can do the linguistic script thinking about linguistic relativity and then just, i've always found linguistic relativity really fascinating and queer temporality and yeah that's kind of where the concept of queer relativity as a as a term came from and i'm really hoping that at some point it'll get picked up by some academic or something and put into real real WGSD works or something um that's that's something I want to happen. I I want my stuff to be cited in in academic papers. Which oh, that's the dream right there. Has happened <laughs> once. Uh, the Matrix video is uh, cited briefly in a thesis paper, a master's thesis paper about uh, the Bonewa. And oh, nice. it was funny because they were messaging saying like, "The deadline's too close. I can't watch the new movie." <laughs> 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 and um i still need to read that paper they sent me the paper and i want to read it um it was very flattering to get to get a little bit reference Mm -hmm. um can i give a definition of queer relativity for those who haven't seen the video well it took me two and a half hours so (laughs) Sure. Can you can you give though... us
0: Can you give us ten second version of your two and a half hour? I will. Video? I will
1: give the definition, but like <laughs> it's probably best experienced after the two hours of explaining before I give the definition. Um, so I have to go search the document. Um,
0: okay. Yes, marry me. You should definitely just go watch it, because it's <laughs> it's fantastic. It's probably one of the best video essays I've, I've seen.
1: Uh, queer relativity is the way in which queer language reshapes our ability to communicate and comprehend not just the world and ourselves, but also time and our relationship to it. It recontextualizes and restructures mysteries into a comprehensible experience, placing these non-linear forms into a clear structure, letting us and others understand. That is my brief-ish definition, but it's a dense concept oh, it's yeah. like it's like you know it's 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 like you can get a quick brief summary of Judith Butler's discussions of performativity of gender but it's, it's not the same as like reading the text it's not a substitute for it mm-hmm. um the understanding is limited by by the brevity um
0: yeah well it's like yeah. uh so like I'm I I follow like so I'm um I like physics from a hobbyist pr- perspective. So Richard Feynman, who's a Nobel Prize-winning physicist, uh, was once asked to um, explain magnetism uh, in a simple way, and he literally said, "Like I can't explain it any simpler than this, because then, because then you're not going to understand what it actually is."
1: And that's the problem: is that a mm. lot of a lot of stuff, especially if it's complex, um, mm-hmm. and like I hate to say, there's some things that cannot be done briefly. And this idea that mm-hmm. some people have um where they're like oh you can't explain it like simply no actually the problem is that the better you understand something the harder it is to simply simply explain it because most simple explanations are fundamentally um removing so much detail as to barely be actually relevant to the original thing this is what a lot of physics is right like most Mm -hmm. physics you learn is a simplified, a simplified version of a simplified version of a simplified version of a simplified version of a simplified version. Then you learn mm-hmm. a slightly less simplified version. Then you learn, you know, you go to university and you learn a slightly less simplified version. Then a yeah. slightly less simplified version, slightly less, because the abstraction and um, and discretization of the information, uh, you know, that fidelity is lost, and there are some concepts that are just fundamentally complex. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's just an unfortunate reality sometimes things take an explainer that takes time that's why i get really annoyed when people are like why why, why, why is this video so long that's that's the length it needs to be i don't know yeah i've made videos one minute long and i've made videos six hours long and they're the video length they need to be for the concept
0: we'll be talking about a six hour video in a second here
1: (laughs) yeah i have only the one six hour thankfully but
0: yeah, like, and like not... I mean, I get it. Like, people, like, especially, like, you know, adults with, like, children and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you have, I get like... I it's
1: a lot, but, but it's also just, yeah. like... But it's also, it's Can like... you walk into a documentary series? Yeah! Like, do you go to a TV show, creator, and you're like... Your TV show's too long. You gotta remove episodes. It's too long <laughs> for me. I can't watch that. It's too long. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so because it's it's not a standard that would be applied and i have gotten that comment mm. on every video by someone and then i've gotten on every video including the six hour one people were like this is too short you cannot satisfy everyone yeah but people have this idea that they're entitled to the entire thing being made specifically for their needs like mm-hmm. I, I there's this there's this one comment on it that was like i don't understand why you don't Post the video in twenty minute chunks. I can only watch twenty minutes at a time between my breaks at work, so you have to post it like that. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> I don't know you. Yeah. Why should I cater? Like, I, I just imagine hey, going. I mean, to a they film. paid a lot
0: of money for your video, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the the free video that we spent a year making, or the free video you can watch for free. Yeah, <laughs> on the free app like i know it's just like just watch it in 20 ch- minute chunks and come back later pause it i i i, I there were some people were really mad that we didn't have the chapter markers up and i was just like it's a six hour video we had to make changes right up to the last minute we were con- like we were, we were contemplating if we were going to cut certain things to try to avoid a copyright claim but we didn't want to sabotage the video by doing it the problem is that like the claim mm. was like write a section if you remove it it like makes sections of the other parts of the video confusing and so we didn't do it for like the first 3 or 4 days and there's some people that were acting like like we'd like personally come into their house like spit in their face and like <laughs> grab their head and you're going to watch 6 hours right now yeah. and it's just
0: like it's
1: like no it's one's not, making
0: you no do that you...
1: no but like, they so it's so weird but I genuinely think that there's some people that the internet isn't a real place like there isn't real things connected to it it, it, it it's it's um it's 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 all signs no like there's no signifying thing it's basically, mm-hmm. it's all signifiers, No, no the original sign that the, the signifier points to, right? Um, and so to them, it's, it's all about them. And if it doesn't perfectly comport to what they want, so this, this is me getting my petty grievance, because uh, I, just, I oh, pet peeve with hey, <laughs> people complaining about length of videos where their only complaint is video long or video short. And I'm just like, okay, but is your complaint like how the video uses that length? And my favorite ones were like, where they'll be like, like, I don't understand why they include this, this, and this. And it's like, because you you didn't watch the part where those things became relevant. Like, they're not just there for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I really try to slice videos down hard. I do it for other people. You know, people bring me in specifically because I do slice things down where I can. Mm-hmm. But sometimes things just are the length they're going to be and the star wars video like like it's hard to tell because you're watching a six hour video how much i sliced from that video how much jesse sliced in the edit like as much as was possible without move removing entire points and it's not it's not an analysis of a film or a couple of films it is an analysis of 50 years of books tv films comics Mm -hmm. uh several major world history sections um the entire life of a single creator uh like it's not a small work and it's not small covering a small amount of topics and it's covering them in depth and i just i find it funny that people Mm -hmm. it's like some people think that everything can be simplified down to the most bite-sized element and some things can't some yeah. things just can't be that short and they can't be that simple. And I frankly think that there's a dangerous desire to oversimplify the world and amongst a lot of people that leaves them vulnerable to conspiratorial thinking. Sorry. I'm mm. Um That's all right. Because uh, the the underlying, like one of the underlying and this well documented and researched, um the easiest like sources i would say to, like easily access this information is all of me and danskin's the alt-right playbook particularly the solidary low talk i think it's called uh, why the alt-right is like an abusive relationship anyway um but uh it's not a video i'm trying to think of that that covers these things well but there's a lot of research that covers this, which is that a lot mm-hmm. of conspiratorial thinking comes out of a desire to simplify the world to have yes. a simple simple answer a simple answer that makes you feel smart and special and special and the yes. world is not simple and the world is not going to be simple and that's scary for a lot of people mm-hmm. and i think including a lot of leftists who think they're above this and are not seen the amount of anti-semitic conspiracies that just get like uncritically oh, shared by people my god oh
0: boy um, so i'm um, i'm a big conspiracy theory enjoyer like and and to clarify i do not believe in conspiracy theories I'm I'm just fascinated fascinated by the by them. theories themselves and the yeah. people who believe them Uh, So I know a lot of conspiracy theories.
1: (laughs) And, and a lot of it comes out of just the world is complex and scary. I want it Mm -hmm. to feel comfortable. And I think, I think the, the worst thing you can do to yourself, to the world, to other human beings is to deny yourself the ability to experience discomfort Mm -hmm. and, and not understand what, discomfort is telling you i think discomfort is the greatest teacher of all and that's not exactly like a nice thing to say discomfort's not fun no one wants no. to feel discomfort but uh i think it's i think it's really important to allow yourself to experience discomfort um and sometimes experiencing discomfort what it's going to teach you is this thing is bad but if you pay it if you understand why it's discomforting you rather than just going thing bad and need jerk reaction to that emotional feeling, but like considering the, uh, this is talking about that emotional intelligence thing earlier. That's mm-hmm. what I mean, like, like really understanding why you feel something and what that says. There's times where, where, oh, I have discomfort with this. Why do I have discomfort? And you realize, oh, that actually reinforces a negative viewpoint, or that's actually harmful, or that, you know, leaves me in a vulnerable or, or shitty position. Um, but when when discomfort is also teacher is when you're wrong because often mm. when you're wrong you're going to feel discomforted about being told you're wrong this comes back to that thing we were talking about with conversations that are difficult with people when they mess up and, and being the receiver of those types of conversations is um that sometimes sometimes um when when you when you feel discomfort the discomfort's wrong. Like it's not a good or helpful emotion and you're going to have to process that. But if your knee jerk reaction is to just jump on discomfort immediately and go, that's bad. I'm not supposed to feel that it's bad. I need to be comfortable. And I think, I think privilege comes down to a belief that you're entitled to comfort. And in a lot of ways, I mean, that's not what privilege is, is, but I just think it's a, it's a excellent part of privilege. And and so marginalized people who bring attention to things that are discomforting about your worldview, about yourself, about the world in general, um, that is extremely discomforting. And that's obviously something that needs to be rejected. And so I think that that underlying um, pursuit of comfort often underlies a lot of people, even, even marginalized people, who should know better. That when they're told they're messing up, do not listen, double down, triple down, get super upset and angry about it. Because all they're thinking is you're making me feel discomforted. I'm not supposed to feel discomforted. Thus you are the problem because you're making me feel discomfort. Whereas the discomfort is a result of of either you know, cognitive dissonance or of realizing that you've made a mistake or done something wrong
0: so we kind of like jumped uh we kind of jumped topics a little bit because uh oh, we'll circle sort of back to queer relativity later but because uh i did i did really want to talk about the star wars video so uh one of the questions from both myself and uh and measter was uh what was it like playing the editor for that and uh for those of you who have not seen the video erinok actually single-handedly animated a whole 18 minute long short film for it so uh what was it like to work on such a huge undertaking for so long because that project took over a year
1: i mean obviously it was in between so many other projects so it was something mm-hmm. that i pick up and put down a pair put down pick up put down but mm-hmm. jesse and i recorded the majority of our stuff like last spring like early mm-hmm. last spring so i've had a haircut i don't have a tattoo um i look very different in, as the editor which i think kind of helps because then when we recorded the layer 5 stuff, I look a completely different person.
2: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so basically I think sometime last year Jesse and I started talking about this and I mentioned that I'd had this video that I'd wanted to make since before I started making video essays at all. It's, there are sentences from that video that are major parts of of the final Star Wars video. So mm-hmm. there's there's actually paragraphs from like when I was like 20? I'm 25 now five six years ago there's there's lines from like five six years ago that are in that script that are in the final version the initial monologue from the editor is mostly from that script the the mm-hmm. whole like the repeating thing that that whole monologue at the beginning um that that all came from a much older script about monomyth and star wars and, and why and it's funny because because when i wrote that I was talking about wanting Star Wars to go in the direction I think it could go in. And then Andor was created, and it did the thing. Um, but yes. we decided just the video was too long. We cut a lot from it that we moved to eventual sequels, um, which we will do. It's just, I don't know when. <laughs> uh, we've got so many other projects going well, on. I mean, both of you um, don't have
0: anything else going on, so it's not. Like...
1: <laughs> yeah, but, um, and so Jesse wrote the first draft. And it was a very straightforward, very normal video essay, just very by the books. uh You know, George Lucas, this and and basically went through the monomyth, and then that was bad, and uh, and so that that became what would be layer layer two and three, which is the documentary layer and the video essay layer. And I basically just sliced that all apart, separated out the political analysis of the Star Wars films and the sort of factual analysis of the creation of the films or like the sort of documentary sort of thing about Lucas and the films and how they were made Um, and I sliced those up and in the process of slicing those things up I realized that I needed a meta-textual sort of representation of that Um, which is where the idea of the editor came from Uh, and it's important to mention that I wrote the editor in November of that year Um, so like a year and a bit ago um because we'll get to the the fake plagiarism claims later there's a whole thing (laughs) um like the the claims are so false that the person who created the thing i supposedly plagiarized wrote an essay about why those claims were false that's how bad it was yeah no i, um, I know
0: exactly what you're talking about but yeah uh,
1: so. I'll, I'll get to it in a bit but anyway <laughs> yeah. so so the editor character just came out of out of a need to fulfill something in the script because i was worried that if we didn't have elements that pointed to i'm tricking you right now um i'm aware that this is a false narrative we get people really mad at us who don't finish the video because i could already tell the script was gonna be long like what jesse sent me was long i was making longer because i had so much star wars knowledge to impart Mm. and and so much political opinions about star wars and and what it says is a political artwork and so um so there's a ton of observations i added um it'd be really hard to tell like what's jesse's and what's mine in that script beyond like everything with the semiotics was mine Mm. a lot of the george lucas like documentary stuff was jesse's but it was was very 50 50 it was a very 50 50 script um in terms of writing and um and then it was just a lot of working out like who was doing what uh writing it to our own styles so it sounded like us if we were saying something the other person had written and vice versa uh though i think jesse and i are both pretty good at writing to each other's strengths um and yeah so the editors sort of slowly spun out of what i did to the script Because what I did to the script is what the editor does in the video to the other layers, basically. Um, So it's sort of a metatextual representation of a thing that I actually did as a script editor. Um, And they became this sort of interesting representation of both the lie of great man myths and also the power of editors and why the idea of the director as the absolute one and all is just incorrect because of how much impact an editor just an editor just one other yeah. figure in that huge Absolutely. process of so many different things has and then um i worried that if i didn't add something else uh i, I, I needed a narrative layer at the bottom so that's that's where the, the animation came from and at about the same time that i figured out that i needed the animation layer i figured out that i needed. Um, I needed this upper layer above the editor to make explicit that the editor is also a narrative to be questioned and examined and mm-hmm. and and uh and re-examined and so you, yeah it's it's a very weird work structurally and i decided to hire me to come in and make it weird structurally and i think thematically it's a sequel to relativity in a lot of ways in terms of of uh how it uses structure um i have an obsessive, and I mean that in the terms of I have mental illness. I mean obsessive need for mm. medium to meet the message, if that makes sense. And so I'm constantly thinking about those types of structural things and and how it mm, how it functions. I often structure video essays off elements of how the original work structures itself in weird ways. Uh, it's hard to explain. I think but the,
0: and then I think the unique structure stuff. of that video like really works to its benefit because like if it was just more of a standard structure like it would be, be pretty boring after six hours of watching that like it'd be like okay this yeah is like,
1: so it's it like also wouldn't make half the points it makes yeah
0: <laughs> so like those all those additional layers and framing devices and and side stories it really it engages the viewer so much more than if you were just dryly presenting the information
1: and that was really important to me was that it not mm-hmm. be um flat that's that's what I'm looking for. i needed to mm-hmm. not be flat and and um, I don't know. I, I always want to push what video essays can be as a medium, mm-hmm. as with any medium I work in. Uh, and I think I do do that. I think, uh, not so like toot my own horn too much, but considering the number of people that-
0: Aranaka brought you here to toot your horn. So toot your horn as much as you I, want.
1: The, You know, the, <laughs> the number of, of fairly famous video essays and things that have watched Pre-Relativity, and I know that for a fact, mm-hmm. um, I feel pretty confident saying that queer relativity had an outsized influence on how people made video essays in 2023. And I'm hoping that I might see some of a similar effect within the impact of the Star Wars video on, on creatives in the space as well. Because like, my videos aren't super, super popular or anything, but I do find I have... I'm, I'm your favorite video essayist's favorite video essayist yeah, uh, sort of thing. Um, it's like, it's and- like
0: those bands that are musicians' bands.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I'd, I'd, I'd love if I could have uh, more success because then it'd be easier to, you know, keep making art on my own channel and, and not having to do as much work for other people. But I love that work. I love that work. And I, I would never stop doing work mm-hmm. with other people, but I just, it would be nice if I wasn't, you know, worried about food ever uh again that'd be nice um, yeah. um by the way everyone
0: uh Aronok has a uh, patreon and a ko-fi and she does nice. wonderful pathologic streams where we raise money in that and she does funny voices so
1: <laughs> I do um yeah and so it's it's just it's um yeah like i know creativity relativity really pushed a lot of people I, I i mean i've had people expressly tell me that it did to make mm. weirder stuff to make things that push the boundaries more in terms of structure in terms of style and it's it's an important thing to me that it that it have that impact and that connection
0: yeah I mean it definitely like it had a huge impact on me when I watched it because like Um, I mean, I've told you this before, but for the benefit of the audience, and and I want to preface this by saying this, I am not saying this to put myself down, I'm saying this to raise you up, so um, I watched Queer Relativity right after making my last video essay, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, I just made a worse version of this video, my videos will never be this good, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm not saying that because I think my videos are bad, uh, but it's, I just, like, when I saw that video, I saw what a video essay could be. And it just, like, there was just such, like, the gap between what I was doing and what you're doing is just so much. And, and it really it really warms my heart to see that, like, so many other people are have, have kind of feel the same way and, and are using that to elevate their own art. So, like, if I was wow. to remake my video essay, I would probably take a lot from queer relativity because we kind of talk about some similar stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it's, y'all go watch Career Relativity, go watch the Star Wars video. Uh, besides the videos that we've already talked about, uh, what's the project that you've been uh, the most proud of?
1: Hmm. Oh, it's those two. It's those two easily. Not, nothing yeah. else even remotely compares in terms of being mm-hmm. proud of it. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's um, some of the writing I'm most proud of isn't even out yet. Like, it's mm. stuff that I'm working on that I'll hopefully have out this year. Like, the Undertale video, the Usher video. Um, in terms of stuff that's already released, like, I, I, it's queer relativity in Star Wars, for sure. But, you know, I'm proud of Nimona. I'm proud of, uh-huh. I have complicated feelings towards the Matrix one, just because there's some mistakes in there. And mm. stuff that was affected by people being shitty after the fact, where I feel... I recently watched it with my girlfriend and then, you know, it's just, it's staged, um, for me yeah. in certain skill ways. So I'm not as proud of it as I used to be because I'm just like, hey, there's like a major factual error. Uh, for context, um, I had a lot of sensitivity readers in that video, including a number of Jewish ones, and I didn't catch those either. Like, no one caught this. Mm. Wachowskis are not Jewish. And I falsely state that in the video because a different video essayist, uh, said it in their video, and I just never thought to question it because why could I question something like that? Like it, it, mm. it, it would be weird to me to question, um, especially considering who was making it and at the time the trust I had in that person. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to get into the they. They were no, outed as an abuser. It's this it. whole thing, and yeah, and yeah. It's, it's sad because I've, I've shouted out some of their work and other videos as well. Um, it's just disappointing yeah i mean uh, their art it still matters to me even but it sucks it definitely feels weird because i'm like i i can't change these videos now and someone might watch this video and then go watch that person's video and not know mm. and there isn't really an easy way of of um dealing with that you can't yeah, add something I mean- back into it
0: yeah Yeah. it's like you can put in a pinned comment but not everyone
1: reads I'm just gonna read it and especially if they're going back through old videos yeah so yeah I will I I will publish an a a, a retraction on that mistake on the 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 matrix video at some point I just want it to be in a video where it's relevant and not just like a random aside in the middle of another Mm -hmm. video like I think I think it needs to be relevant to what I'm discussing um so yeah there was a time where i would have said matrix but not anymore so maybe namona maybe bechdel maybe the guardians of the galaxy video i did with jesse oh
0: i love that video
1: um i'm pretty proud of my writing on the barbie video
0: um
1: yeah that's that's all i can think of off the top of my head right now hmm
0: So I I do want to circle back on uh, this idea of uh, these these false plagiarism claims because plagiarism is kind of like you know the 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 big like the cause celebre that's going on right now with the the massive H bomb video, Uh, and you know plagiarism is, is on is on everyone's mind, and I've actually seen this a lot coming from the right. Where they are using fake plagiarism claims to take down uh, to take down people on the left. So a really famous example is uh, Dr. Gay, who was formerly the um, uh, the Dean of Harvard uh, dean, was it Dean? I, don't, I I might not be using the right title, but basically got taken down due to some bogus plagiarism claims. And some people also leveled some bogus plagiarism claims on the Star Wars videos, so uh, maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Um, yeah, so so basically someone, two different people, decided to falsely claim that I had plagiarized my friend Neil from The Leftist Cook's video on metamodernism, where they also have a character named The Editor. The similarities basically begin and end at they have a character named The Editor. And that character, in some ways, sort of re- you know, represents that. Ooh, ooh, two people who work as editors for other people who work professionally as editors had the idea of representing aspects of editing and its impact on art <laughs> with a character named the editor. But they, they serve completely different purposes in the videos. They have nothing mm-hmm. in common in terms of style, visuals, purpose, characterization, personality. Like, it's really the most, like, and, but the, the other thing that made up, Chris, is Jesse and I are both in Neil and Sarah's video there. Neil and Sarah are both in the Star Wars video, and yeah. neither Neil or Sarah, like, Neil's like, I genuinely didn't even register that those characters have the same name when I watched the Star Wars video, and I was like, I had the same thing. I didn't think of, of mm-hmm. the metamodernism issue at all, even though I like that video a lot. And it's a great video. Go watch it. Obviously, I support people watching my friend's work. And and I would never want to take my friend's work, especially my friend who's literally in the video with me in this one. Yeah, uh, and then in a video so that I was a part of, it was so nonsensical. It was so unserious. But I think um, I'm see we're seeing a disturbing trend of people getting the very wrong message from H work, which is that you can you can try and harm a marginalized artist or person by falsely claiming they did plagiarism. Mm-hmm. And you can get away with it without being called bigoted. And they don't actually, that's actually incorrect. It's about both misrepresentation of H-bomb, of what the purpose of that video was, or what the consequences of it was. But, um, yeah, so it's its just, really bothers me. So uh, yeah. Neil wrote this incredible video, uh, sorry, not video, Um, just a script, incredible script, uh, essay, a written essay i'm being words how do words work Word. uh, a, a written a written it's on their <laughs> patreon it's, it's it's free to watch uh, like view even if you you aren't subscribed to their patreon but it's on the leftist cooks patreon called um something happened on the way to the plagiarism um and i think it's a really good starting point of the conversation i also have a tumblr post about this that also shares that 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 link um uh, where i talk a little bit about my perspective on the whole thing and like where the editor came from um but it really frustrates me because you know and and i i i've seen a lot of people getting the wrong messages from hbom's work and i want to be clear i do not think that this is, a, this is an issue with the Bomb's video or hbom mm-hmm. i think this is just an issue of internet audiences and the same way that people have gotten the wrong messages from my work before you know like it, it just happens to all artists and it sucks mm-hmm. But it happens and there's not much we can do about it like we can try to head it off and i think hbom did do a fair bit to try and head off that type of behavior um i think there's a subsect of people that saw the video and thought it was about you know you should punish these people particularly james somerton that was not what the video was about um i think there's some people that saw it and their conclusion was oh this is a video about why james Summerton is a shitty person not what the video is really about and i say all of this as someone who was personally affected by and had a ton of friends that were directly attacked by, by James in ways that H Bomb discusses in that video. That the whole like fake claiming about murder stuff and getting his fans. I have deleted hundreds of comments from James Somerton's fans over the last year from Jesse's comment section who said mm-hmm. some horrendous shit. Jesse hasn't seen them, and I'm never going to talk about them publicly. But like, James's fans were awful. Yeah. And he purposefully caused that on purpose for really no good reason against someone that tried to help him, and that's was shitty and i i think james somerton is a completely moralist ethical like com- devoid of ethics individual who really only cares about himself um i doubt he thinks of that but like but the the reason i say all that is that the only thing that i and basically everyone else i know who was negatively affected by james have wanted including like adequate emily who helped HBOM with the video for example mm. it's just that he doesn't have a platform to continue doing harm the goal there isn't to harm him though the goal isn't to punish him and the fact that a lot of people are so trapped in punitive mindsets around this topic really serves me and the fact that some people saw what Bomb did and went aha i can use this as a cudgel as a weapon against people, even when it makes no sense, really bothers yep. me because the point of the video is trying to teach you to critically think. Something that all of my artists about, a lot of Jesse's artists about, including us, we're open to criticism. Jesse just did a video about about some I, I think reasonable criticism of, of the Barbie video, um, mm-hmm. which I'm annoyed that I didn't notice that specific turn of phrase in the one sentence. Um, or maybe, I, I don't know, I don't remember the, it being worded that way in the script, but I must have missed something. Anyway, point is, like, we're pretty open to criticism. I, you know, I've openly admitted on this interview about mistakes that I have made, factual yeah. errors that I wish I could retract. Um, But what I'm not open to, and what I feel like I deal with a lot as a trans woman, is people falsely presenting me as some, I don't know, evil Uh to to force some sort of narrative about people like me that's really unhelpful is really harmful and it's really tiring to deal with um and i just it concerns me that i see this spilling into academic spaces to attack black academics to attack like that's very concerning because plagiarism is a serious problem and it is mounting the misuse of my field of expertise machine learning and ai to to like I want to be clear, I don't think copyright law should exist, but I do think that creditation and sourcing is still would matter even if capitalism was gone. And I don't think you can get rid of copyright without getting rid of capitalism first, because otherwise you're just going to harm a ton of small creators and make the current situations with big corporations a thousand times worse. Because they'll just steal whatever they want with a way bigger budget, and there's mm-hmm. nothing a small creator would be able to do. But yeah, that's that's a whole other conversation. People, yeah, have yeah. See, when you're like, no, you, you I oppose copyright. But only once capitalism is gone, <laughs> you can't do one without the other. Like, you just can't. Because <laughs> then all you do is just remove any protections from, from artists like me. Small artists that do good work but don't have huge platforms and lawyers and whatever. Mm. Um, you know, like, like, some of the reasons that some of those copyright laws didn't exist in the first place was because of major Hollywood and other, like, big corporations stealing work from artists. But like i am also of the opinion that that uh the, the copyright an artist has should end when they die it should be to the artist not the company that that hired them like i think it should only be the artist that gets the copyright and it's a whole other thing yeah um the artists that work on it
0: um if there's many oh, well. artists, we're gonna start a second podcast about uh <laughs> copyright law and <laughs>
1: But, um, but coming back to the plagiarism thing, so, like, I I take plagiarism excessively seriously. I, I have my name on a research mm. paper. I care about this type of academic integrity. And it really upset me, um, because I took it so seriously when I got that message. I was like, oh my god, like, did I even do that by accident? Like, I'm, I'm messaging Neil, like, freaking out. And Neil's like, this is ridiculous. This is absurd. <laughs> Why the fuck this person claimed this? And I was like, oh, thank god. Because I was so nervous that, that, mm. um, that that like in some way that, that this was going to turn into you know because i've just i've seen how many other trans i know so many other trans women that that have had uh minor genuine mistakes or non mistakes or just things made up about them yes. um that that have resulted in them being basically removed like unpersoned from the internet and from society and i frankly like as a trans woman that lives pretty openly in the public eye I am endlessly afraid of that eventually occurring to me and um and it's even worse for trans people of color to be clear like mm-hmm. like that type of thing is even worse but yeah I I think people are very comfortable falsely claiming things to try to demonize trans women and people are way too comfortable immediately believing it. so it was very relieving that nothing bad happened out of that situation but I'm just like, what happens when it's a situation that's more genuinely ambiguous, or where the person who, is, who did was not plagiarized isn't like the type of situation I have with Neil, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's frustrating because like we we have two issues happening simultaneously where we do have a genuine huge industry of plagiarism on YouTube that is a problem and it needs oh, 100%. to be addressed. There's
0: so many AI channels coming out that just steal, they're just stealing scripts, there's AI voices, and it just, there's so many, they're everywhere.
1: Yeah, and then you have all of these opportunistic creeps who are taking Mm -hmm. a genuine issue and being like, how can you use this to harm marginalized people?
0: Yeah. So... Uh, I would like to move on to a less distressing topic, so, uh, cause we are, <laughs> this has been like, honestly, this interview is just like, it's, it's been such a great talk. It's just flown by. So we're going to, we're going to make an attempt, an attempt will be made to t- try to wrap this up, <laughs> but I would really like to know, well, I, I kind of already know, but I want everyone to know, uh, what's next for the enigmatic eldritch being that we all know is there. <laughs> oh
1: God, there's, um a lot that comes next uh i'm working on, on many things right now uh i think most immediately probably like the, probably the next thing to release will either be Renfair cheese my piece about a genre that late night and i <laughs> coined um that's very fun and very sweet i just i want to reshoot some things and i want to add some additions to the script i want to cover another piece of media that i didn't think it was originally covered it's the whole thing so It'll get done eventually. It's partially edited. I just I need to add the things that I want to add. Um, I had this whole bit that was inspired by um seeing a post on Tumblr and just some feelings about my girlfriend and stuff that I want to add. So I think it'll Thank be sweet. <laughs> but I'm mostly talking about Princess Bride, Stardust, and Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves in that video. Mm. Um, but it's a video about emotional contrast and the value of it in art, and it's a fun one. Which is not usual for me, and I'm like, am I actually going to pull off keeping it pretty fun? Um, yeah, this I mean, I, like think you will, I think one like... section that I think will make people cry because it's made everyone I've read the script to cry, but mm. just, one. <laughs> just one, just one. i mean,
0: like, so like you had a lot of fun with your like end of the year video, and like I really like that, that video, and I really like that you have fun in that video
1: yeah i was i did that in like four days though it was not fun making it <laughs> oh yeah it was fun it was fun but then it was not fun um no,
2: no, I, I get like <laughs> like i
1: i i i think i was up like 34 hours before i went home for christmas like my oh, mom was going kind to of pick me up my brother and i to drive us back down to my parents place and like yeah i finished it that morning and that's what really release it's, it's a little rough but it's it's pretty good i think i did a good yeah, job yeah it's, it's more like kind lighthearted hearted than, than your other stuff I did. so yeah very lighthearted, very chill yeah. um but yeah uh run for cheese is like one one lighthearted video because the rest are gonna get <laughs> uh yeah uh, i'm hoping the next one on my channel after that will be undertale but it probably won't be. it will probably be whatever i do for my wgst class this semester because <laughs> uh, that's what bechdel was was actually a that's an actually an academic paper that got about like a 90 percent i think in in nice. my class that i did it for
0: i like that video a lot. for a
1: university reading yeah. uh, writing course getting getting 90 percent um very hard to get because like those types of subjective marking things are very hard to get a good mark in um oh, yeah
0: it's not like a math course it's like oh yeah i got the right answer so i got 100
1: yeah so i i uh yeah i i'm current topic i'm considering for that is a piece on um perspective male gaze and video game Protagonists, particularly mm. transgender representation within video games, so okay. it's complicated. I can read you a tiny little excerpt of like what I was reading.
0: Ooh, today. Sne- you special exclusive sneak, sneak
1: preview, it only may not for end up being like this in the video. And th- a lot of this is quotes. While the game designer creates in the context in which the player forms perspective, the player, unlike any other medium, is fundamentally able to break the perspective of the game in and of itself. A uh, quote from Berger, uh, essay one of seven of the Ways of Seeing, collection of essays. Um, the invention of the camera also changed the ways in which men saw paintings, painted long before the camera was invented. The uniqueness of every painting was once part of the uniqueness of the place where it resided. Sometimes the painting was transportable, but it could never be seen in two places at the same time. When the camera reproduces a painting, it destroys the uniqueness of its image. As a result, its meaning changes, or more exactly, its meaning multiplies and fragments into many meanings. End quote. Open quote from uh, my video on the Matrix. In transgender history, Susan Stryker states that, um, open quote from Susan Stryker, Back in the analog era, a representation, word, image, idea, was commonly assumed to point to some real thing. A person's social and psychological condition, gender was commonly assumed to point to that person's biological sex in exactly the same way. Gender was considered a representation of a physical sex, but a digital image or sound is something else entirely. It's unclear exactly how it relates to the world of physical objects. It doesn't point to some real thing in quite the same way. And it might, in fact, be a complete fabrication built up pixel by pixel or bit by bit. Transgender representation gender representation, works the same way, end quote. The Matrix by... Um, this is again from a matrix script. The matrix, by examining gender in the terms of Baudrillard's concepts in simulation and simulations, simulacra engages in this conversation around what the representation is pointing to. It is asking what our, our true body and if it's a choice we can make or if the representation is something that we are assigned by the system. End quote. Uh, Video games, by decentralizing the camera from the creator and placing it in the hands of a player, particularly when that player is able to shape the vessel through which they engage, destroys the idea of a central artistic expression of perspective. It polyfragments meaning even further from the effect that the original camera had. Ludo-narrative thus becomes a meeting point between author and audience, where audience takes on elements of being an author. The viewership of gameplay, particularly in live streams, returns an audience and furthers the placement of player as the author, and the viewer is also then able to influence the actions of player, thus becoming part author themselves. As such, any true distinction between the subject that is viewing and the object that is viewed becomes destroyed. The distinction between author and audience is altered, and so too is the distance between viewer and the character within the story. The act of forcing an audience to not just passively experience a marginalized perspective from the outside, but instead place them in control of, and thus connected to, a ma- marginalized avatar creates a unique possibility for connection and understanding. By making the avatar of the player marginalized, the marginalized also becomes a fundamental subject, often the primary one on the world in which they inhabit Player avatars are not inherently or exclusively a subject with agency, some games very purposely play with lack of agency in their design, but generally the primary character to take actions that change the story is the player's avatar. After all, in most games there is no story until the player, and by extension the avatar, act on that world. Each player's experience in most games is going to be different because they and their avatar do things differently at different speeds, with different levels of capability from every other instance of that avatar and story. While all art is uniquely experienced to some extent, video games uniquely create your story of that game. Even as the player knows they are separated from this avatar, when someone discusses a game, they use terms like I and me for acts Mm -hmm. the avatar takes. Often they are also experiencing being referred to as that character. They are identified together. There are, of course, exceptions that draw attention to this connection and disconnection, that treat the player themselves as a character within the diegesis, but these are rare, and specifically use that rarity to comment. Games often engage in expressions of queer temporality, as I discussed in The Matrix Intrinsically Trans, open quote, which while the bu- bullet time of this film is a gorgeous visual representation of action, it's also an expression of how queer people experience time in a different way from non-queer people. If most action is an expression of heterotemporality, then bullet time, a unique technical feat at the creation of the matrix, is a literal queer perception of time. To explain it further, as Keegan puts it, quote, the effect is of contradiction in temporality that simultaneously alters the perception of matter. The rules of classical mechanics are suspended, allowing the camera to capture unprecedented perspectives within time, end quote. Lana said that it came about because, open quote, we talked about how to begin to express the kind of idea we're looking for of being able to push at the boundaries of reality. Games, by implementing the ability to enact the squaring of temporality, place the player avatar and their controller in the decision to push at the boundaries of reality. That's what I've written so far. Today. Today? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. No,
0: that was awesome. That was great. Um, yeah, that whole like, um, with your video game character, it's like, that is you. Like, you know, it's like, I talk about my Baldur's Gate character. It's like, that's me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to talk yeah. about
1: how allowing yeah. trans characters to be created in character creations, like, alters perceptions of what self can be. and th- it, it, It'll it be a whole thing. And I'm also going to talk mm-hmm. about, like, why trans characters as main characters matter. I'm probably going to hit on Celeste. Um, mm-hmm. I play this game called, I think it's called Tell Me Why. I think it's by don't know. Oh I mean, yeah, I have yeah. that in my library. I haven't played it. I yet. haven't played it. It was free on Steam at one point, but yeah, I'm, not, I'm sure gonna play that. I'm also gonna probably hit on um the empty representation of something like Call of Duty, um, and its use of non-binary characters and the mm.
0: <laughs> If I can make a suggestion for a game featuring a trans main character, a super lesbian animal RPG, a game I, I will not shut up. About. I don't have time,
1: I don't have time. <laughs> that was way too long i don't have time um, it's also not mainstream enough. i'm sorry
0: no no, no it's totally fine because it's, it's just, a class
1: uh... on popular media so oh, yeah yeah no that's totally fair it's a class on images of sexuality and gender within popular media and so i'm i'm like
0: no no yeah i want to take like
1: i want to t- take berger's ways of seeing and the concept of male gaze and apply it to a video game analysis that discusses transgender representation and i think well it'll be fun
0: yeah yeah i just honestly i cannot shut up about that game because it's so awesome (laughs) yeah um by the way miastra absolutely loves your voice acting and your performance uh and also what yeah we got some say, people in chat uh talking about up. uh tell me why uh it's very emotionally heavy apparently so
1: yeah i know that but it's you know i find it easier when i'm doing it for work because i'm watching it at there's an academic distance sometimes that i have mm, when i'm yeah. for, working for certain things but um yeah it's it's a thing where um like i think video games are best best understood as being a actor on a stage in a theater play mm. and this is a comparison uh, i'm not the person that came up with this um a different incredible trans video assisted <laughs> uh really which is which is uh ruby from codex entry uh really made this comparison with her videos pathologic for those who will never play it everyone should watch that uh ruby's actually the one that has been helping me write uh undertale pretty heavily like i'm okay. giving her a co-writing credit awesome um so yeah, that's that's uh that's that's what the future looks like for me is a lot of videos like that. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Um Jesse and I have a billion projects we planned for this year. The first one, which uh, was supposed to be a simple thing, but then we got more complicated. Mm. It's worth it. It's worth it, it's good. But um it, we were just gonna do like a quick sort of like reaction-y thing to William Shatner's terrible prank uh reality oh TV God. show Invasion oh my in Iowa. <laughs> And then our conversations got really in depth and interesting. We were like, we have to write this. We have to write a full. Script. Okay. It's hey, easy. I'm here and for so it. So we, so <laughs> I finished writing that yesterday. Like Jesse did her pass, and then I did my pass. Um, so I did my pass on Jesse's script yesterday. Um, added a bunch of stuff, and then I will be editing that video. So uh, I expect to enjoy my unique editing style soon. I will be. <laughs> um,
0: looking forward so to. So we're it. gonna
1: we're gonna slice in some of what we recorded on that initial reaction thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll mostly be a traditional Jesse gender video essay with some little Aranaka sides. I'm
0: <laughs> um, always looking forward to those.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going
0: to, we're going to get, move on to our concluding questions. So we have a, we have a couple questions that we like to ask everyone. Uh, but first of all, is there anything that we missed about your art that you'd like to make sure that you say?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is just watch everything critically, including my, Stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you watch my stuff and you come to the conclusion that you shouldn't be watching it critically, you've missed the entire message. <laughs> because what I want, what I want is people to develop um, fundamental curiosity for life, for art, for being. Um, because yeah, I think I think art is 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 living, and uh, yeah, I I I just think it's really important to engage engage fully um, mm-hmm. and emotionally and sincerely with art i want I want you to line in the upcoming run for a cheese script, which I think is that uh, no grab no grab it. sorry <laughs> because I just I really want to say it the right way I wrote it good and you know you know you're like trying to say don't write and good it. <laughs> I Identity did write it good, so I want to say that. <laughs> nice. Um, That's really the message of this channel. That you should love and feel things sincerely and with your full chest and hate the systems that actively discourage that.
0: I love that. Yeah. Oh, So good. I so, have a conclusion uh, for
1: that video. You're just- <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Is it a backdoor, uh, I hate the MCU video? Perhaps oh hmm. i'm gonna say some spicy shit about why i think yeah the MCU is bad I mean, so
0: i mean i am an mcu enjoyer uh, but i will be the first to admit that most of those movies are mediocre to bad
1: <laughs> no that's the thing i i've watched most of it like i do get something from them even as they're trash but i yeah I, they frustrate me they frustrate me yes. because they're incapable of sincerity and the whole point of the video is the value of sincerity and the value of emotional contrast mm-hmm. and marvel videos are like tonal mush they're just the same tone all the way from. oh yeah and- i mean
0: oh boy like this is a topic that can get me going like we can we could go on for another couple hours but <laughs> people top. gotta go so <laughs> yeah uh but my next question so we, we asked this of everyone and it's actually my favorite question uh just because like just in the current climates uh, so much of our stories are kind of framed in negativity and pain and loss and all that but i think it's far more important that we share our joy um, can you share an experience that you've had with gender euphoria?
1: Sorry, I'm trying to think of one that I feel comfortable sharing in a public space. Oh, like, um,
0: I'm not going to make you fit, share anything you're not comfortable with, but, you know.
1: <laughs> like, recently? Uh, oh, that it doesn't happen. <sighs> I mean, there's, a, there's all sorts of little things. Um, I think the main one right now is just the way my girlfriend looks at me. And Aww. talks to me. oh. So I was awesome. trying to find out a word that in a way that I was like yeah yeah I love that for you they so make much. me feel beautiful and yeah. adorable I love him Aww. the best uh,
0: and lastly uh, what would you like to make sure that folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary trans and or gender diverse issues
1: uh, ooh, that's hard um, I have a theory of gender that's uh Let's say built on but different from Judith Butler's which is that I, I I don't think that um I don't think that gender is necessarily inherently just a performance uh I think that gender gender is feelings or lack thereof uh, in the case of a gender people and that the performance is how we express those feelings um but just like with any feelings we can you know we can hide them we can obscure them we can perform feelings we don't actually feel inside uh you can be happy and forcing yourself to be angry or otherwise you know Mm. you can be sad and pretending you're happy um but i think i think the reason why being in the closet and why performing the wrong gender and things hurts so much is the same reason that that uh lying about our feelings to ourselves is so painful in so many other ways i think bottling it is destructive and um so I think, I think it's, uh, gender's just something we feel, and, and I think, um, uh, anyone who tries to tell you that you're wrong about your own emotions is uh, probably a fool, mm-hmm. or try We're to trying, to sell you. You We're trying <laughs> to sell you something. Or trying to sell you something. Life is me. pain, princess. Yes. He was saying trying to sell you something.
0: Yes. <laughs> I specifically said that quote because I knew you would get it. <laughs>
1: I, I, I might reference that in the video perhaps
0: yeah <laughs> i mean that's like disclaimer princess bride is one of my top five movies of all time so
1: I, if it's not in your top five what are you doing <laughs> yeah what are you doing with your life honestly you should be enjoying good art um i'm kidding if you don't like princess Bride, it's perfectly valid everyone has their own taste everyone is feelings. allowed to have
0: their wrong opinions
1: <laughs> i don't believe in right and wrong opinions but I just no, just it's a, that was a but joke but I think that was yeah, a no. joke uh, but it's it's it is I still am just like every time I'm like oh, no. <laughs> I feel like I don't know I, I'm also very much someone who i i I hate when I don't like something and I want to understand mm. why people get out of it, even as I hate it <laughs> anyway um,
0: anyways, uh-huh. it has been. Oh, it has been absolutely wonderful to have you on. It's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, So, Airdoc is a disabled queer artist who examines media and culture intersectionally. And speaking of what what are you even doing with your life, if you're not subscribed to your YouTube channel, what are you doing with your life? Go do that right now. Uh, You can find their socials. If you're watching this live, you can find that in the Twitch chat. If if you're listening to this in the future, it will be in the show notes. Uh, The link tree will be there. Here is this week's Clouder query that you or audience can answer on our social media platforms.
1: So this is the same question i end the star wars video with but i think it's one that's really important and i think it's one it's important to ask and, and re-examine which is uh, what stories do you hold close and why perfect. so i'm gonna ponder <laughs> <laughs> all right so next week we are off
0: and on the 29th we'll be chatting with sona manassian about disability justice in queer choirs uh, Jennifer would also like to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. That's Holly Blash, Winter Vespers, Loch Ness Gamer, Justin Baker Rojas, Yaiseo, Ray of Swords, Miramie, The Hessian, and Trans Transcapybara. So I've been your host, Miranda, with our wonderful guest, Aronok. And I uh, hope everyone had a wonderful uh, time listening to this. And we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Bye.
2: Jennifer would like to thank our guest for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash gender Show notes will appear in the edited versions of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms.
0: If you have a question you'd like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at
2: genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, the Clouder wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics. And we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this.
0: Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash Measter to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following or reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform or engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at If
2: You can take a few minutes to rate the show. We will post any five-star reviews on our socials. So get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power?
0: This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the
2: podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Here's our artist's credit. Genderful is hosted by Miranda Katita and Jenner Measter. Genderful's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Techs. Genderful's live stream is produced by Mirami. Genderful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Free Range Megs. Genderful's promos and thumbnail graphic are designed by Trans Griffin. Genderful's social media is managed by Keynesy. Genderful's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, also known as Soma. The current Gender Master logo was designed by Cytopia. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gender Master, All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human, human rights. rights. That's right.